This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Heads up, in this episode we handle topics regarding sexual assault. And while we try to approach this from an empathetic and respectful lens, we do advise that listeners for whom this may be triggering do what they need to to stay safe. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe deserve some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. Also visit saythiscast.pinecast.co for previous episodes. Typically, we try to start each episode by telling a short story that boils down some of the topics that we'll be discussing during the episode. This week, we're talking about outrage culture, or cancel culture, or whatever the hell you want to call it. We can't even really agree on what to call it, so it's a little bit difficult to tell a two-minute story that does the topic justice. So rather than engage in that, what I want to do is leave you with a piece of advice. Maybe I shouldn't have to say this, but when it comes to deciding whether to or not to support content creators, or anybody for that matter, maybe we ought to be thinking about the utility of that, rather than the moral basis of it. Hey, Genre. Hey, Nicole. How you doing? I'm alright, how are you? I'm alright. Welcome to... I shouldn't have to say this. This week we're talking about a subject that I've had a lot of evolution on in the last couple of months. We're talking about cancel culture or outrage culture or whatever name that you like to associate with the phenomena. So cancel culture or like probably more accurately outrage culture is a phenomena where every once in a while something bad will come up about a celebrity that you see in the news and they'll say something really bad or maybe they said something bad in the past or like committed fucking crimes and for a moment people will be really upset and they'll probably stop supporting them and everything will be really bad for them for a little while but they crawl into the dark and they sit there for a little while And after things blow over, people get back to status quo. And so that's kind of the phenomena which we've come to know as canceling. Yeah. Yeah. We actually recorded this episode um, a while back, and I had a completely different view of cancel culture. I kind of said, you know, we're canceling people for doing nothing or for doing like little tiny whoopsies, and that's not really super cool. If you said the N-word when you were 12 and you're a white person and you don't say it anymore and you understand why it was stupid and you're just being like an edgy 12-year-old, I don't think that you should lose social standing for that, you know? Right. And similarly, I don't think that like a famous person should probably lose social standing for saying something stupid if they apologize for it and seem genuine when they say that they didn't mean it. But that's not really the reality of things, you know? Yeah, it's that really um, like what you described, like someone saying something stupid or something hurtful or something, and then they actually apologize for it. And then they also lose social standing for that 
uh, later. That is one of the examples that I pull up when I, um, when I talk about the issues with with cancel culture. I was just talking to someone about that. I I described it as uh, grassroots versus astroturfing. Yeah, you know, pulling something up just to incite people to cancel someone is a terrible thing to do. But canceling someone because they repeatedly are racist is not as terrible. It's yeah. very complex. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So a topic that we talked about last time was, um, is his name Tim Gunn? Yeah, that's that's what I usually... Yeah, Tim Gunn, uh, the director, he currently is doing um, the Suicide Squad movie, but he also did the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and he's going to be doing the third one in, like, 2022 or whatever. And people, he said some really messed up things in early 2010s um, on Twitter, and some right-wing trolls went through his Twitter and dug up those things and put them out and, and were all mad about it. The issue with that is that had already happened and he had already apologized like a few times publicly about it. So that would be the, the astroturfing thing that I was talking about. Like they, they were going after him because he was, let's say, vocal in his displeasure of the current administration. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, right-wingers trying to weaponize outrage culture against somebody that they didn't like, and people totally took the bait. Like, mm -hmm. Tim Gunn was taken off Gardens of the Galaxy 3. A lot of people celebrated this, and some other people didn't enjoy this. I think that it was probably an overreaction to do that, particularly because the guy had apologized already for it. And yeah. it was a while ago, and then he apologized again once it happened. I think the fact of the matter about this story that I find more persuasive is that he's back on the project. Mm -hmm. And so, whatever sort of bullshit he went through, his career trajectory remains completely unchanged from this event. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where my thinking has changed. So... I think we recorded this about a month ago, and I said, like, you know, cancel culture, like, obliterates people from the public eye, and they never come back from it, and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. But you see, most of the time, that's not the case. They just hide for a while. They go under a log. Yeah, they go under a log. wait. Yeah, it's yeah. just some bad PR, and once things blow over, yeah. it's back to business. And I really do think that that's probably a shame. The two big deals i think of right now we're recording on august 29th and this is the week that pro jared made his little video let's back up yeah who is pro jared because i actually barely know who pro jared is so i barely know who pro jared is but he's like a really <laughs> big gaming youtuber i never watched his content i barely knew about him so like Take what I say with, like, you know, or my opinion of him with that in mind. So, three months ago, Pro Jared got into some shit when it was revealed that he was kind of a massive kind of sex predator. So, I'm gonna go through, like, the rungs of extreme behavior. So, number one, he okay. cheated on his wife of a very long time. 
Um, and it was revealed through that, that like, there was a lot of emotional manipulation and borderline abuse and using a polyamorous relationship as a opportunity to cheat with what he thought would be impunity. It was just an altogether shitty situation. Yeah. I'm just going to say I'm pro Holly, which is his, uh, ex-wife. Um, I think. I sure hope I didn't say the mistress's name just now, but I'm not going to check. Oh, it's Holly. It's Holly. So, anyways, there's that. But this is not where Pro Jared's fuck-ups end. He also, for a while, ran a 18 and plus, and I say this with quotation marks, blog in which he made an open call for people to send him their nudes. And people did. And this is a gaming YouTuber, so like understand that his fan base is pretty young so he made this open call to people and people sent him their nudes and it turned out that a lot of those people were underaged and through a lot of different accounts and receipts being pulled out it came out that um he either didn't know that they were under 18 because he didn't ask or he didn't care and in addition to, like, taking the nudes, he also, like, sent nudes himself. So, like, huh. if you were to go online, you could see pro Jared's dick in the same picture as his face. But I don't want to. And do I have do- to? No. Okay, no. thank you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, just, if you're, like, if you're listening at home and you just entered in this discourse and you're, like, leaning towards believing this guy, please go check out some of the reporting that was done on this when it originally happened. Also, he did a video that's, uh, August 29th right now as we're recording. He did a video this week that, Yeah, it was um, a few days ago. Yeah. I heard about that and it, it was monetized. Yeah. A lot of people were not happy about that yeah. sort of thing. So he did a 45-minute long monetized video that was basically saying, all of these people lied to you. My ex-wife is a fucking liar. All of these many people who came out against me are liars, and they're liars because look at the screenshot where I asked one of them if she was 18. Also, he spent a while discrediting one person by saying, like, you know, this person has mental illness. Whoa. They're mentally ill. Whoa. Whoa. Let's hold up. Let's back up. He, he was trying to discredit someone that was, that what, that he didn't like by questioning their mental health. Yeah. And I'd also like to add that another thing that he did that you should never fucking do, in his video, he had, like, the unedited ats of all of these people. Are you serious? Yeah, and he said, like, you know, for the sake of culpability, now nobody harass these people. But, like, you know how the internet works and, like, his fan base is gamers. So, in essence, Pro Jared is a fucking disgusting human being. He is terrible. Number one, I think that everything that he did, I believe the survivors in this respect. Uh Uh-huh. I believe Uh. their accounts 100%. But even if he if he was telling the truth and everything that he said was right, he was still in the wrong. But what's really got to me this week and made me want to re-record this episode so much is that more so than three months ago when everybody was pissed off, 
there is this huge contingent of people who is like, you people were lied to. He's telling the truth. Just white knighting him into the fucking sunset. And it's pretty fucking wild and out there. Three months ago, there was this just unmitigated shit show on his Twitter where people were like spamming clown gifts at him and all sorts of <laughs> bullshit in his mentions. And three months later, after he let things cool down and he didn't do anything, he comes back. And like some people are trying to say like, yo, this doesn't change anything. Like what? What did stop? Please stop. And there Go are away t- again. Mm-hmm. And there are a ton of people who are like, no, 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 no. I, I like him. I want to watch his content. Um, he didn't do it. He said that he didn't do it. Those bitches were lying. Did you know that some people lie sometimes? But, you know, he told <laughs> me that he's innocent, so he's innocent. Did you know that some people lie? It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And so in this respect, you have somebody who did something monstrous and three months later, so like a really short amount of time, people were already like, okay, I'm ready to move on. So this, to me, paired with a few other things that I've noticed. There's a Polygon reporter a few years back. His name is Nick Robinson. He was pretty popular. He came out to be a um, sex pest of sorts. I'm a little bit fuzzy on the details. I don't research for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not researching the term sex pest. Y'all can do that by yourself. Yeah, but um, he, um, he sexually harassed women in the gaming industry and it was pretty gross and he was let go from polygon following an internal investigation so something was there that's um good and it was a really big deal but if you go on youtube right now his content is getting a lot of play in the algorithm and his subscriber count is really raising and and this is like an anecdotal point but on twitter as i was looking through like the pro jared shit people were making comparisons to him and nick and tons of people were like what did nick do he's one of my favorite content creators so in two years the public consciousness of what he did is just pretty much gone and he's back to a pretty normal career yeah or like doja cat who said like the f slur like fifty-two thousand times and then like didn't apologize for it pointedly like ninja yeah he yeah, Ninja uh, said the N-word live on a stream, and Felix. he got, like, oh, PewDiePie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many terrible people? So, when people are talking about, like, how bad cancel culture is, my mind can't help but to go to these situations where, like, there was a legitimate wrong that people were upset about, mm-hmm. and they were upset for a time, but nothing came of it. Nothing was learned. And there were no ramifications for these people. And that's really a fucking shame. Yeah. And this is in stark contrast to the situation of Tim Gunn or like Megan DeStallion. She said some pretty fucked up like misogynistic shit or some anti-gay shit in the past. And she apologized for it at the time. It comes up every once in a while and she'll apologize for it. So recently when it came up, she was like, now I've about apologized for this a thousand times. I'm not going to do it again. Every time this comes up in the news cycle, like I'm not going to, I had to move on eventually. And that's kind of weird to me as well. Like that she can't move on from this because she did learn her lesson. 
and apologized <laughs> a few times. If you learn your lesson, if you try to to make amends of, on the thing that happened, then you should be trying to earn back the public's trust. Yeah, Louis C.K. Mm. Um, one of who who used to be one of my very very favorite uh comedians. I've seen him live a few times, and when all that came out, it was like a punch to the gut. He goes away, and then he comes back with some horrible comedy, and without saying anything, without apologizing again, and really at that point, you should be starting an organization to to help female comedians or something like big like that, but a lot of times like people like this, they just, like you said, they scurry out into the sunlight again and say look at me nothing's wrong right okay and people are so excited to get back to the status quo that they don't care i think that's a big big part of it because nobody wants things to be different and they don't want to think about things that are uncomfortable yeah and so the main thing is that they like somebody's content and they don't care what they did it's really mm -hmm. simple Progeria didn't need to say anything for people to still support him. They liked him, and they didn't want to stop supporting him. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. And this is really frustrating for me, because it kind of brings up this point. So I think that fundamentally, the idea of call-out culture, or like outrage culture, is kind of an interesting concept. When the law, or like the powers that be, fail to hold somebody accountable for the things that they do, how we as a community in whatever like niche area of the internet how or the public how do we hold these people accountable mm -hmm. because it seems that there are like kind of two schools of thought you could belong to the school of thought that like normies belong to where like somebody <laughs> does something shit and then they go away and they come back and you just kind of let it slide because you don't care either way or so first of all, I have the utmost respect for the furry community. Y'all are great. However, <laughs> the way that I've understood the furry community to like understand when somebody does something bad is that they cut them out of the culture completely. Mm -hmm. And their reasoning for this is quite sound because they're one specific corner of the internet where they're trying to privilege the experience and the safety of survivors over the rehabilitation of predators but that doesn't necessarily assure that the predator won't find a community of furries that doesn't know and they won't do the same types of things that they did in that community right and so i don't think that it's actually entirely sufficient for solving these problems so that leaves us with kind of this huge question like how do you hold these people accountable in a way that is effective, is fair, and actually privileges, like, the act of healing over status quo. I think something about that would be it, it, maybe thinking about it in twofold. Making sure that the, that the guilty party is uh, punished in some way, and making sure that there's healing. But I don't know if you can have both in the same action. 
Yeah. If that makes sense? Like, you need to, uh, if there is something in a community, any community, and there is, like, a, a predator or someone that, that hurts someone in any way, then you think about making sure that the space is is safe and conducive to that person or that community healing. And, on another hand, making sure that this person is held accountable according to whatever community standards that, that might have been set. I think it might be a, a problem of individuals' responsibility to people versus, like, an organization's responsibility. Right. I'm of the mindset that, like, an organization or, like, a physical space should always privilege the safety of the people in it. So if somebody makes people unsafe, get them out of there. Mm-hmm. However, yeet <laughs> them. Just... <laughs> uh, no second thought. And I have a server that I run as a, um, it's not a safe space, but it is a supportive space. Um, so if people... We need uh, that embroidered on a pillow or something. Oh, I want it. I'll get it one day. But anyways, I tend to say, like, you know, you get two strikes and then you're out and on, on that server. Um, mm -hmm. I don't suffer people who make my friends feel unsafe lightly. But this being said, I might kick somebody off of the server who's kind of being a creep, but I don't think that I would necessarily kick them out of my personal life if I felt like I was in a position to do anything to help them hold themselves accountable and if they seemed like they knew what they did wrong. Well, here's a question. If someone was being a creep uh, in this server and you and you kick them out, and then later they uh, they come back and they say, I'd like to be a member of the server again. Um, and you talk to them and they've actually maybe gotten help or something or, or seen a therapist about their behavior or they've tried to apologize to people, tried to make some sort of amends. Would you would you as the server administrator allow them back in the server? I think that that would need to be a conversation that I would have with the people who are on the other side of that person's behavior. Like, mm. I would say, like, are you, like, what would make you comfortable with letting them back in? Or if, if you aren't comfortable at all, my number one responsibility is to you and not them. But this would be, I think, the difference between me just not letting this person on my server and me like actively in every server I go into not like DMing somebody if they entered it. There are right. some people I know that if I see them like enter a Discord server, first thing I'm doing is I'm going to email my best friend uh, on the mod team. I'm going to say, this person is trouble. Kick them mm -hmm. out or keep tabs on them because they're a danger to people. And so if they made amends, but the person on my server was like, you know, I'm just not comfortable with having them here. This is my uh, supportive space. Um, then I would say, okay, so like you can't come back in this server, but you know, we cool. I think that makes sense. And I think that goes along with what you were saying about giving more privilege to the people that need support versus the, uh, the perpetrator. Yeah. Making sure that when you have a space, that it is a space of... Um, of support and and caring and if this person has really tried to turn things around then they have a more of a hurdle 
to to come back in because they made someone that is already there feel unsafe. Yeah. Also, I think another uh, dimension of this is, um, or maybe like the same dimension, is I kind of want to talk about this on like a grand scale. Okay. When something shitty happens, so like I'm not going to mention her name, but a YouTuber recently got into a situation where she said something pretty shitty to like a kid on Twitter thinking that the kid was a troll, but then they turned out to be like genuinely like a kid who was... um suicidal and detailing how they're gonna commit suicide but like this person thought that they were this uh youtuber thought that they were a troll oh my god and so she told this kid uh you know put me in the well well it came back to her that this kid was like genuinely suicidal and she was like distraught and so the actions that she took in order to like figure this out was first of all she went straight to the person and she said you know i'm really sorry this is what happened I made this video explaining it's an apology. It's just for you. Watch it if you want to. If you don't, that's fine. Um, I understand if you can't forgive me, but I just wanted to say that I'm personally sorry. And I thought that this was a really good way of going about this because at the end of the day, I think that a lot of this, like a lot of the reason why we care about outrage culture and why it should be a thing is because we're trying to mitigate the risk or like facilitate healing for individuals. It's right. not because we're mad that a bad thing happened, right? We're logical people. We want to ensure that people are safe and that they're having productive situations that we also keep predators out of the public eye. Right. So... I think that whatever process we come up with in terms of like, or like what would be a more productive process, it would focus around the individual in question that did the, the did the big whoopsie apologizing to the people or trying to like, you know, make amends to them on a personal level. And then maybe to the public talking a little bit about that, like just saying, you know, here are the steps that I took to hold myself accountable for this. I genuinely apologized to the public. This is not who I am. And to this person, we're talking it through and it may not get resolved. However, here is a clear explanation. I think that that would be leagues better than the thing where we say like, oh, you know, yeah, I wash my hands of you or this thing where we where we let people crawl we we kind of let people go into hiding because what else are they supposed to do? There's no apology that gets people who are like riled up during like a bout of outrage culture that will get them to settle down. The only thing that they can do is like hide away and wait it out. And that always yields this shitty result of them coming back and people wanting back to, to get back to status quo. We never say like, hey, Maybe hold yourself accountable. Maybe figure out what you can do to make amends. If Pro Jared could, he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care and he doesn't think that he did anything wrong. He's an animal. But if he was a human, <laughs> like the rest of us, he could set up programs for kids about, like, internet safety and not sending nudes to adults or some shit. <laughs> I mean, or, like, training for other entertainers saying, like, you know, if you have, like, a predominantly minor fan base, don't ask for nudes from them. Yeah. Kids lie. And it is always your responsibility to know if they're 18 or under. 
So those could have been productive things that came from the situation, but instead nothing comes of it. And it's because he's not a decent person, but if he was, like, he wouldn't have made a video and he still would have got on with his life and that still would have felt bad. I think the the biggest thing is the the veracity and the um the sincerity of the of the apology. I really really like that that other person um made a video a private video specifically for this for that kid. I think that's a that's really great. If someone got wrong, making it personal and making it poignant and and not trying to aggrandize yourself off of it which a lot of people do like they make a big big announcement like i'm sorry about this blah 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 but they still like slap their name on it they monetize whatever they're doing they're just trying to to save face i mean the difference between apologizing and saving face i wish more people would do that and i think that if if that happened more than out than cancel culture if that if cancel culture caused that the, those positive things that happened, then I'd say that cancel culture was, you know, more useful. Yeah. And I also think that there are a lot of decentralized movements happening online right now. But one thing I think that we all kind of have a responsibility to do is to outline what we want from people who fuck up. People want a pro Jared gone. And I understand, like, he's. <laughs> what he did went beyond anything that I think an individual can adequately apologize for. Yeah. Those scars will remain on the people for for a very long time. But in terms of what we can get out of it, because, you know, this guy is going to continue his career either way. You know, actually, fuck the pro-Jared thing. Let's talk about Nick Robinson, because this is like, Nick Robinson is a human being. He apologized when this happened. He just kind of made excuses. It was a bad apology, but I don't think that he's a monster like Pro Jared. He got fired. He slinked into hiding. Nobody ever told him how he could make amends. Um, <laughs> and so I don't think that he tried other than this shit-tastic apology, because all he could think of to do. So if cancel culture more revolved around, like, how are you going to make amends to the people that you actually harmed? Or, you know, how are you going to ensure that you don't do this again? Or what type of contribution are you going to make towards the community-wide effort to reduce the instances of this phenomena happening? I think that those are more productive things to focus on than just, like, this needs to be retribution for this person. Or I think that people have a tendency to say, I'm upset about this. I'm so hurt about this. It's not about your hurt or your betrayal at the end of the day. It's about the people that were literally fucking injured in the process. Yeah. Healing versus versus vengeance. Yeah. and Those two prongs that we were talking about before. Yeah. And one is way more important than the other. Yeah, and not even vengeance because you were a victim. Mm. Vengeance because you're upset that this person whose content that you liked did something. That, to me, is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking complicated. It, it is so complicated. <laughs> when talking about people's emotions, when talking about people uh, trying to... to help people that were hurt 
it's very complicated, and I think uh, that it honestly should be complicated. Yeah. There's no way to simplify working through situations where people do harm, and you're trying to balance restitutions and also not literally ruining somebody's life because that helps nobody. That's right. Not that, you know, any of this ruins anybody's life in the end. Yeah. Another aspect of this that I wanted to mention really quickly is that even though, like, outrage culture is something that affects people on, like, a grand scale, like, community-wide, there are also instances where this plays out in smaller groups. Say you're on, like, a microcosm, like a college campus, and you have, like, an activist group, and somebody did something bad a while ago, but knows that it's wrong and is trying to change, uh, they could be dropped by the people around them. I've been in situations like this, I've seen it happen, and it's not good. Throwing people away when they do harm is not an effective way of creating change, and it doesn't make you woke. It just means that you're missing an opportunity to stop the cycle from happening again. And this is all, of course, if you don't have a lot of... of uh, You don't have the mental bandwidth. To, to take care of that sort of thing. I mean, like, if you have the spoons, I was able to help somebody who was kind of a sex pest become not a sex pest. And the reason I was able to do that was because I had the mental ability at the time to do so, and I felt like it was my responsibility. But I knew other people who thought that it was a good idea, but also just had too much going on. Or legitimately triggered them right so i'm not saying that for them uh maybe one day we'll do a longer episode on this yeah i shouldn't have to say this but uh outrage culture it sure is a thing <laughs> it sure is a thing that's all i got <laughs> Now we come to uh, the the happy part of I shouldn't have to tell you this. Uh, the what is good in our lives? So Nicole, what's good in your life right now? What's good in my life is Fire Emblem again. Um, last again. week I was talking about <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses, the new game on Switch, and how very good it is. I finished my first playthrough. I'm working on the second. I kind of got a little bit tired of it around my 90th hour. So I decided that I was going to go play some of the older Fire Emblem games. Um, so right now I'm playing through Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which is a remake of the first Fire Emblem game. And also I'm in the middle of a playthrough of Path of Radiance, which was a GameCube game. Um, these games are just really good, really deep, um, a lot of good writing. Um Barely. I really fucking like the series. It's good shit. <laughs> Finally, some good fucking food. <laughs> uh, before, I don't know if you if you said it last episode, but you're you're trying to play through all of the Fire Emblem games. Yes, yes, I am. Um, that's Jesus. a big project because at the same time, I also decided to do the same thing with Dragon Quest, um, which is also a very lengthy JRPG series. Um, so this is going to be like 
several years of my life that I'm doing this, but I'm making good yeah. progress. Um, <laughs> I feel like um, the Fire Emblem games, if you're good at them, which <laughs> I am, <laughs> I would classify myself as Alpha Chad at Whoa. the Fire Emblem. <laughs> Whoa, Alpha Chad. Whoa, okay, step back. <laughs> I love using <laughs> alt-right language on my podcast. <laughs> Alpha Ch- Incels, if you're listening to this, I love you and I have information for you. It'll come in a different episode. Oh, God. <laughs> so, what's good in your life, genre? Destiny 2. <laughs> I st- Yeah, I'm still one of the ones that play Destiny 2. I've been playing it since launch, uh, and it's pretty much been a constant mainstay in in my um gaming repertoire or whatever uh and the it's actually uh, repertoire oh my god really okay <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah uh the um the next expansion is coming out uh called shadow keep and it is a complete revamp of almost a complete revamp of the of the game. Um, it needs that. It really does. And uh, year, this is going to be the third year of the game. Year one was was okay, especially if you didn't play the original Destiny like I did not. So I came and I was like, "This eh, fun game," and everybody else was like, "Boom!" You know. Um, Even though Destiny what, was a bad game, <laughs> I didn't know. Um, but uh year year two they did a lot of revamps and uh a lot they added a lot of stuff that was really cool um year three they are uh they were owned by activision no um and now they're an independent studio and they're completely redoing everything and i just saw uh some more previews for it and i'm really excited for it it's going to breathe new life into the game. Uh, it's going free to play, which is, I think it's going to be really great because it'll b- hopefully bring new players in. And, you know, uh, we have cross save. So uh, now if you play on one console, then you can bring it to PC and back over again. So hopefully that'll bring uh, some lapsed players b- back. Hint, hint. Nope. Hint, hint. Nope. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> We'll work on that. We'll work. We'll talk. People think that I'm gonna go back and play a game. (laughs) Do it. We should do a Nightfall together. It'll be great. Oh fuck Um, me, Nightfall. No. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's it's, so I'm really I'm really excited about that, and it's going to um, that all of that is going to be happening. Uh, the new, all the new stuff is going to be happening in, in the beginning of October, so I think that's going to be uh, really cool, and as someone that plays Destiny a whole lot, it's going to be uh, incredibly refreshing, uh, and so it'll, it'll, be, it'll be really fun. So, thanks so much for listening to I Shouldn't Have to Say This. If you want to learn more about today's topic, we have links in the show notes, along with a link to a tip jar if you'd like to support the show. If you have any thoughts, opinions, or suggestions, you can email saythiscast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. 
You can also go to saythiscast.pinecast.co to listen to previous episodes. So Nicole, where can we find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Jack of Three Trades. That's the number three, or BlackGirlGaming.com. And you can find me at Press Start Lock on Twitter. All of our music is by Mustin. To hear more, go to store.mustinenterprises.com. I shouldn't have to say this as a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. PlanetsidePodcasts.com.